Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T-52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. All right, boys, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, Fabrica 5. Oh, yeah. It's a handcrafted and artisan story with the strong foundation of Rob Isla from Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame with Hamlet Paredes, Master Blender, and Cuban Cigar Legend. Love you, Rob. They're already fantastically priced, but exclusive to Lizard listeners, they can get 10% off Con Anazo 5-packs and 25-count bundles starting right now. Using code LIZARDN6. That's coupon code LIZARDN6. What is Carlos Anzo says it? <laughs> <laughs> you can get worldwide free shipping as well on all orders over $125 US. The website is Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. That's right. The more you buy, the more you save. Exactly. And it's important to note, boys, the Cononazo is the same size. Siglo 6. Siglo 6. Can't wait exactly, to try it. From Cohibo. Oh, yeah. These cigars are crafted and refined by feedback from a hard-nosed tasting panel, the FOH community, and customers. That's How hard-nosed you. were you on that tasting yeah. panel? <laughs> yeah. I was pretty hard-nosed. You know, you are an elite insider. <laughs> Right. Did, did you retrohale? I just want to make sure you did. You can literally jump on the FOH forum right now and post detailed reviews that go straight to the powers that be. And you can tell Gizmo every <laughs> note that you got that he didn't Correct. from the retrohale. And Gizmo likes to get calls at 2 a.m. in bed. <laughs> Be part- <laughs> Become part of the FOH community today. Fabrica 5 is direct from the farm in Honduras to your hand, and they ship out of Miami, so there's no customs nightmare, which is awesome. That's awesome. Oh, Pagoda, you're safe. (laughs) Fair enough, you know. (laughs) Again, use code LIZARDN6, all one word, no space, for 10% off Cononazo, five packs, and 25-count bundles starting right now at Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. Free shipping on orders over $125 U.S. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator, Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some wine, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 119th Official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. And to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cupid cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We continue with part two of our Cuba trip recap this week, including our first ever visit to Vinales in the province of Pinar del Rio, Cuba's home for premium tobacco farms. We discuss the tobacco growing process, our impressions of Cuba's countryside, and we preview the upcoming Habanos Festival, all among a variety of other things for the next 90 minutes. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair Campo Viejo Tempranillo with the Vegas Rubenia Famosos. A Corona Extra tonight on the pod from Cuba. It's called the Vegas Rubenia Famosos. It's a 48 ring gauge cigar by five inches long. And boys, as everybody knows who listens to this podcast regularly, Vegas Rubenia 
is very much one of our favorites. It's a coveted marca. And this is only the third that we've done on the podcast. True. Actually, uh, certainly number one, because they don't have many in regular production anymore. Yeah. And two, uh, the ones that aren't in production, like our lo- beloved Classico. Classico, is very, very hard to find. You know, honestly, this marker doesn't come to mind for me very often. It just doesn't. There's only two Vitolas. Yeah, there's only yeah, two in regular uh, production. Just... Unicos and the... Uh, and this Formosa. Formosa. This is a beautiful cigar. I love the construction just on the on the, the look of it with the same band they've been using forever. The gold and brown with the big R in the middle. The wrapper is a beautiful, mild brown. It's exquisite. Yeah, it's, it's the invisible seams. Really, really nice. Bit toothy, um, uh, but still nice. I'm excited the, to try think, this tonight. I think the wrapper is beautiful. I, yeah, it is. It's not toothy to me. This looks like a bar of milk chocolate. Yeah, got, got some veins here. A little Hershey nice. bar, a little bit. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful cigar. All right, boys, let's cut this thing. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. We've done a few other Hermosos number fours on the podcast. It's a popular Vitola for Habanos. I think that this this kind of size of cigar is very much in favor right now worldwide a lot of value for it and, and certainly as people are looking to spend trying to get bang for the buck you know as far as the time spent smoking this should be about an hour ish a little experience. tight a little tight in the draw for, for me yeah really just a bit yeah. enough to, dr bam performing a little surgery a little yeah. surgery over there i have another one bam if you need it no no i'm gonna stick to this it's okay did you it's did you do a v cut no i should have well, no. you're, you're the only only one with the V-cut. Well, V-cutter. I'm taking my lead from Danilo. Yeah. I like his advice. Yeah. So, boys, what are you getting on the cold draw? Oh, wow. I'm getting get some cedar. Cocoa. A little cocoa. I'm getting light cocoa and fruit. Mm-hmm. I get all of that, and, and this is going to sound weird, but cream. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever, on a cigar on the cold draw, got cream this is it's a really soft creamy kind it, of it's like a milky dairy type of yeah. thing but very smooth it's nice even a little floral mm-hmm. slight i don't need to light this this is great just on the cold <laughs> drop senator's gonna smoke that for eight hours that's right <laughs> all right Before boys, let's light it. this thing <laughs> <laughs> the vegas robania famosos again it's a corona extra the factory name is a hermosos number four it's a 48 ring gauge cigar by five inches long. And it's one of two in current production for Vegas Robania. And as we said, we're hoping that they start bringing back Vegas Robania as a marca like they have some of the others, like Rafael Gonzalez. Yeah, they've resurrected a few markers. There's right? been a lot of resurrection, and I, I, I'm hoping that this one's next. We shall see. I wonder if Rubena is the only farm that produces tobacco and also is a brand. I think it is, as right? far as Habanos goes, yeah. yeah. Well, he was notorious for, not notorious, he was celebrated as one of the greatest farmers in it Cuban tobacco history. Don, Don Alejandro. Don Alejandro Rubena. This is delicious off the light. The light is amazing. I mean, Wow. And mine has a slight bit of resistance, so I'm actually hoping that I'm able to smoke this a little slower. Mine does too. And get like a longer experience out of mm. what, what is only wow, a five-inch cigar. It's really good on the light. Great preview right now. Mm. Really good. What year is this? So this is a, the box code on this is ESM July 22. Okay. So coming up on two years. All right. So it's about a year, a little over a year and a half right now. And um, 
what did this cost? So these cigars were about <laughs> 18 bucks, 20 bucks, I believe. Okay. At the time, I think now they might be a little more. I'm sure. But at the time that I purchased them, I think they were 18 or 18 or 20. Smoking great. Mm. What kind of notes are you guys getting on the light? For me, it's very dessert-like. I get like cocoa and like some kind of shortbread or like a biscuity note. I feel like it's graham cracker for me. Could be. Yeah. I thought in the first light, I got like a very milky, chocolatey, mm-hmm. kind of a uh, creamy. All excellent notes, by the way. Yeah. I mean, this is. I feel like on the retro, off hail, to a great I'm getting a little bit of a mint type of finish through the nose. Just a little bit of a mint. A which mint, is mint unique. chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip. <laughs> so these cigars come in dress boxes of 25 cigars. They were originally released in 1997. They used to come in cardboard packs of five and cardboard packs of three, discontinued in 2009 and around 2006, respectively. And like I said, it shares size with a lot of other Hermosos number fours in the Habanos catalog. We've done a bunch of them. I'll go through some of them. We'll talk about the ratings later. The El Rey Del Mundo Schwa Supreme, of course. The H. Upman Connoisseur One. The Romeo y Julieta Exhibition Number Four. We have not done that one. The St. Louis Ray Regios, we did. The Por Laranaga Picadores, which I believe is a Habano specialist release. And then finally, the new one, the newest uh, Hermosos Number Four in regular production we did recently was the Rafael Gonzalez Coronas de Lonsdale, is the same exact size as this. So it's almost. Aside maybe from Partagas, I think, and Cohiba potentially, this is almost every brand has a uh, uh, Hermosos number four hmm. in the Habanos catalog. It's That's a cool. very, very popular size. Yeah. The ring gauge is a little smaller than a Robusto, it is. but yeah. slightly longer. Right. Am I right? Great Vitola. I think the Robusto is five by 50. So this is about the same this length is 48. as 48. 48 by five. So it's a little bit hmm. smaller, but about the same length than a classic Habanos uh, Robusto. It's velvety smooth on the retro hill, I have to say. Mm. Really quite nice. Yeah, this is a really elegant cigar for its size. Like normally, I don't know if I would use the word elegant for a, a, a cigar, a Hermosus number four, really. Mm-hmm. But this feels really nice in the hand. It and looks great. The smoke is just yeah. very complex. And I, I think, like it. I think it's also just really elegant in flavor. I mean, mm-hmm. if you would have told me this had four or five years of age, I would have believed it just because of how creamy the delivery of the flavor is, mm-hmm. which I feel like only typically comes with a decent Older amount cigar. of age. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, sometimes you take a take a cold draw, the flavor that you get out of the cold draw is totally different when you light it. And this kind of has very similar to the cold draw. Yeah. Like yeah. You get, this you is get, true. You, you get cream and you get milk chocolate and that's kind of coming through right now. That's very true. You mentioned the Schwa Supreme. For me, that's a got a, a bigger kick as far as the the notes are concerned, and it's right there, and it stays with you consistently. This one is more subtle. There's subtlety to this, and I think there's elegance in that. I agree. I, I think this is what, – what would you guys say the flavor profile is? Would you say mild, mild, medium? I don't think this is really getting into medium territory for me, but not yeah. in a bad way. I think it's mild, touching medium. Yeah. It's not yeah. mild. It's not mild, mild, but it's more mm-hmm. more towards medium. Yeah, I agree with that. And on the finish, that graham cracker for me is really strong. It's quite beautiful. So like I said, this is the third Vegas Robania cigar we've done on the pod. We did the Unicos, which is the classic Pyramidi. We did that in the Battle of the Pyramids quite some time ago. 
and the famous, as far as our broadcast goes, the Classico, which was discontinued in 2012. Uh, we did about a year and a half uh, ago on a Christmas episode or a New Year's Eve episode. So Vegas Robania's story is not very long. Don Alejandro Robania was a very famous Cuban tobacco farmer, had a long had a long running family farm that's still there in Pinar del Rio in the Vuelta Abajo region of Cuba. And he gained fame, like I said, as the best tobacco farmer in Cuba, thanks to his high yield of, as they call it, export grade wrapper leaves. Um, in most years, he was able to accomplish two to three times that of his nearest competitor, which was huge. And I think he was very, uh, he had a lot of ingenuity as far as eliminating bugs mm -hmm. and getting, making sure the crop was protected from, uh, you know, outside, you know, uh, forces that other, his competitors were unable to protect from. So that's how he was able to, uh, to be so su uh, successful with his yield. In the 1990s, he became an ambassador for the Cuban cigar industry, traveled the world, and this brand named for his farm and him was launched in 1997. It's classified in Habano's other category of portfolio brands and, of course, gets a lot of regional releases, um, which I, I, I've actually never had a, a Robania regional, mm. but I know some folks who have and always say that they're pretty good. That's good to hear because there aren't many good regionals. Yeah, we, that's something that we haven't celebrated on this podcast mm -hmm. for sure. This is interesting. The mother factory of the brand is actually based in Pinar del Rio. It's not one of the mother factories in Havana. It's the Francisco Donatian factory uh, out west. So that's pretty cool. That's the first time that I've ever seen a mother factory listed as... Uh, so far outside, outside of Havana. Of, yeah, outside of Havana. Yeah. So very appropriate tonight, boys, that not only are we talking about a cigar that uh, its mother factory is located in Pinar del Rio, and also that we're talking about one of the most famous farmers of all time in Cuban tobacco, very, very appropriate that tonight we are recapping our trip to Pinar del Rio and Vinales uh, when we were in Havana a few weeks ago. Very, very exciting. So where do you want to start, boys? Do you want to start with the, uh, the roads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's recount our luxurious ride over to uh, Pinar del Rio. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish we had gone to this farm. Yeah, I wish we could have, yeah. If we would have found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Always next time. always something to do next time. Well, we were very fortunate. We rented a 15-passenger uh, a van, which ended up being a blessing because... It was kind of small. We really yeah. want. Really, Gizmo yeah. really wanted the big bus. I did want the big bus. <laughs> yeah, you, you let us down a little bit on that I'm one, sorry but. about that. I'm sorry about that. But thank God that we had the bus because I know some folks who've gone out there in the 52 Chevys and did the <laughs> two and a half ride out there. And I don't know how they survived because... How, the, did the, how would the car survive? The roads in Havana, excuse me, the roads leading out of Havana to Pinar del Rio for two and a half, three hours with are... No, with no suspension. With no suspension. <laughs> are They are just absolutely atrocious and it's almost like they paved it once in the 50s and have not paved it or updated it since it's it's crazy what was your experience in the uh, in the van senator i mean it, it feels like you're at an amusement park on a roller coaster <laughs> i mean the entire way you're literally just like flying up off the seat every two minutes i i was trying to sleep when we were going out there it was like impossible <laughs> I'm I glad I was sober did. because uh, it was an easy trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been bad if, if, if you had some drinks 
and you weren't feeling great, it would have been a rough trip. Yeah, and if you're someone who gets car sick, good luck making it out there. So on the way out, we hit a tourist rest stop, which I guess every vehicle or bus with a tourist pulls into. Uh, I guess it was about an hour, hour and a half outside Havana. Probably. Or so. And I just found it there. funny because you just think of like, I don't know, in the States when you're going, driving to random far distances, there's like a welcome or a visitor center or something like that. I just found it amusing that like you're on this road that's in total disrepair and then you pull up and there's like actually this pretty nicely done like <laughs> visitor center. There was a gift shop that had things you don't even find in Havana, like hand soap and lotion and all this crap for sale. I was shocked. They had a bar. There was food. It was a pretty nice setup. Nice. Yeah, it was definitely the nicest kind of quick stop that we had seen anywhere in Cuba, even, so, like, even in Havana. Was it crowded at that stop? Not too crowded, but no. not dead. There were yeah, definitely there were, people. I mean, when we pulled in, there were probably five or ten buses and, and as oh, well that's as other lot. taxis and stuff that's there. A lot. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely, that's like the tourist trap. It's if a well-traveled area, word. let's say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that honestly was nicer than anything on the New Jersey Turnpike if you were to go to a rest stop. Truly. What about the John Bon Jovi rest station? <laughs> Correct. What's in there? A Cinnabon? I mean, come on. <laughs> and a Burger King. I was I was a bit disappointed with the coffee there, though. Oh, no, really? It wasn't good. They but did they, have a cappuccino machine, though. Yeah. Did they have Ropa Vieja at the rest now? <laughs> I know. Indeed. I think they made uh, the coffee out of powdered milk. <laughs> I got a fresh coconut there. That was good. Did you? Did you really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Look yeah. at you. Wow. Some coconut water. Yeah, he did not I, share, by the way. I'm sure I think, he didn't. <laughs> I think Senator was the only one who was rehydrating that day. <laughs> smart, smart, very smart. So we continued on our journey about another hour and a half, I would say, because we headed first to Hector Luis Prieto's farm, which is about 40 minutes further than downtown Vinales and where a lot of the farms are, to his farm, which is called Quemado de Ruby, and I would say is the premier destination for tourists coming in who want to have a really nice experience at a farm, really get a great tour, see everything, and of course have some drinks and some food. So that was where we went first. And I think that our impression, certainly I was surprised how well set up that farm was for visitors. Yeah, they have done it a few times. Definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like every single tourist, you know, if you're on a tour, they take you there. Right. It's it's well set up to accommodate a bunch of tourists at the same time. Nice. It's a nice, well done. I mean, it was a nice spot. It felt very welcoming. There was light music going on. It was breezy. You could see the tobacco farms. It was a nice little, uh, yeah, setup. So we drove down a long dirt road, and I certainly wasn't, I had no expectations of of what, what was coming. But as soon as you park, immediately, there's almost like a visitor center. There's a open air, like like Pagoda is saying, a covered open air bar restaurant type setup right off of their humidor. And you get to come in and and say hello to everybody and meet everybody. And then we were able to take a tour, and and that's where it started, Uh, take a tour of the process at at his farm, understand why he now, I would argue, is probably the successor to Don Alejandro Urbana, whose cigar we're smoking tonight in his name, uh, as, as the premier tobacco farmer in Pinar del Rio. Certainly famous, apparently, for the quality of the leaf that comes from his farm he has found ways, very similar to to Robania, to grow really, really excellent tobacco that is celebrated not only by the industry but by Habanos itself. You know, he is very much 
um, I would say, one of their favorites. Yeah. He's the fourth generation farmer. Hmm. So the farm has been there for quite some time. Not to go off topic, when was the last storm that went through that area? How long ago? Was that two years ago? It was about a year and a half, year and I a think, half. or last year. Yeah. And and he Any remnants of that that you saw? We didn't see it at his farm. We certainly saw it as we were driving out. Okay. There. there was quite a bit of damage as, as we were driving from Vinales, kind of the downtown touristy area, out to his farm another 40 minutes. I mean, we were driving. We saw structures that were just walls standing, roofs completely gone. Some of these homes that people live in, I, it's incredible that they're able to sustain a family life in some of these homes like they definitely were hit very very hard but it seems like hector luis at camada de ruby has been able to recover quite well i would say i think the robena farm was pretty badly hit we heard that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so hector luis the one thing that you know before we even start talking about the tour we went on he told us that he started farming when he was 37 years old it wasn't when he was 18 or 16 or 12 he was he came into this business at 37 years old. And how I old do you think he is now? I think he's in his late 50s. That's not a long time. No. To do that. Rooster, yeah. you could still be a tobacco farmer. <laughs> Correct. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah, there's still hope for me. <laughs> I, would oh, like, I would like that. I could see it. I would like oh, that. Oh, I could see it. I could live there. With your shorts on, <laughs> your hat. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs Goshen when you have Pinard <laughs> <laughs> Cigars in your lapel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is Guayabera. Guayabera. Correct. <laughs> And those cowboy boots, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is funny. So, that you know, there's an illustration of Hector Luis that's kind of famous. It's on the sign as you're pulling into the property. It's on all over the internet, you know, is this picture of this guy with this specific hat on and the way he dresses and always has a big fat cigar in his mouth. And I'll tell you, he was exactly as I expected. Like, when you saw him, it's like, that's Hector Luis. Because as he came up on us, it's... He looked identical to every picture I've ever seen of the guy. Wow. Identical. Wow. So then we met our tour guide, who actually is a roller at his farm, and started the process of the tour, even, you know, beginning with the seedlings. There's just one more comment. The cigar he was smoking was probably a double gordo or something. It was like huge. It was like an 80 ring. <laughs> yeah. oh, and he, he mangled that thing. I mean, he was chewing all over it. I couldn't believe just that was watching. Probably his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so we started the tour right off of the visitor area, the place where you sit and have drinks and whatnot, with like a little pod, I guess you would say. It was kind of a pod set up with seedlings in it. And they started the process there. Um, any takeaways from, you know, from the beginning of the tour there and what we learned about the seedlings? I mean, I just thought it was cool. They showed the the plant <clears throat> that has these little the balls that uh, have the seeds inside. And I remember he was, um, I guess, maybe passing some of the seeds to other people. I mean, it's as fine as sand, the seeds. I would have expected the seeds to be know, like yeah. sesame seeds or just something more sizable. I mean, literally, it was just like sand in someone's hand they were watching and then they put that into that little pot that you were talking about to start to sprout the plant. So they put it in these little pods for 45 days and that's where they start. That's where they germinate. And yeah. that's where they germinate and that's where they start to grow. And after 45 days, they're ready to be planted mm. in the, in the tobacco fields. But I like, like Senator, I was very surprised. I think sand is a perfect example how fine the seeds are i would have expected that they were like you said even i was expecting maybe closer to like sesame seeds like mm -hmm. a little bit bigger but like you said they were very very tiny like the point of a point of a needle really very very small wow so then we went on 
we continued on the tour and we went into the actual growing area where the plants were growing and we were able right. to see a lot of stuff there. So the first, so first farm that we went to was where they were growing the shade, uh, shade grown wrapper. All the wrapper is grown under shade. Mm -hmm. It, it was, I don't know how, how big of an area would you say? Maybe quarter of an acre, like that particular. Yeah. That specific, that specific yeah, area, uh, area yeah. that was there. And that entire area was covered with linen. It was yeah. all covered. Yeah. Really? Not only the top, even the sides were covered. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I would say the tobacco plant was roughly about six feet. Yeah, yeah. six feet. Yeah. About a bit six taller feet. than us. Yeah. I mean, beautiful, beautiful looking plant. Oh, I bet. I mean, massive leaves. And when they start picking the leaves, it's from the bottom up. Interesting. And on the lower part of the plant, I think those are the leaves that are lighter in color. And as you go higher up, they get a little bit darker in cool. color. And also just smaller. They were saying that like the leaves at the bottom, they start picking to actually roll cigarettes. And the larger leaves they let obviously keep growing that they're going to use for cigars. It's that amazing how fast the plant grows from that little seedling we were talking about. Mm -hmm. In 90 days, it almost grows like a weed. Like in 90 days, it went from that seedling, you know, where they took it out of that pot after 45 days. Put it in the ground after 90 days. It was almost six feet tall. It was amazing. pretty amazing how fast it grew. And it was beautiful. I, I think I was really impressed by looking at the tobacco plants. They were green and it was just beautiful the way it was set up. Uh, you know, I was expecting it to be uh, like I've been to certain farms where everything's just so, feels very crowded and uh, somewhat health I was I was surprised yeah. by the size of the leaf. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it must be at least like maybe four times the size of my hand. Yeah. You know, big, big leaf. You have, you have small hands. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I thought was amazing too was we learned that the protection from the sun is not only for protecting from the sun, it's also for protecting from heavy rain because too much water or too little water can very adversely affect the growing of the plant. So that also protects too much water from coming in because sure. they want to be very, very specific about how much water sure. the plant gets. Also wind, I guess. I mean, it protects them from all the elements. And, it, and it traps the heat, right? I think It does. Yeah. yeah, it does trap the heat. Yeah. A question about right. the soil. What color was it? Was it dark, lighter? It was dark. Yeah. Was dark brown. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it was very much what like you'd see in any sort of garden. Mm -hmm. It was that kind of color. You know, it was a darker brown. I agree. Nothing distinct. Okay. Very well organized, though. Yeah. Mm. I think we did ask him like how much, how big of an area it is, and I forget forget what he said. How many hectares? They have a lot. They I have, think it's like third. I think they have like a lot of lot of land there. Right. Hector Luce right. has quite a bit. Yeah, they grow a lot of tobacco there. So as they start picking the plant, starting at ninety days, they move those into the barn. The barn. The Casa del Tobacco? Well, they bunch the leaves. They take, I think, five or six leaves and they bunch them and then they hang them upside down on like a long stick. And I mean, obviously there wasn't much there because it, it's not harvest season yet. And I assume when the harvest begins, I mean, that whole room is just full. Can you imagine that smell? Oh, it must be amazing. Oh, yeah, it must there. be incredible. Intoxicating. <laughs> I mean, he, he was saying that stick that they hang them on, that they dry the wrappers for 50 days typically on that stick before they bunch and then, you know, ship it out. The other thing was interesting too, is he said that only women are chosen to bunch the leaves onto the, onto the needle, I guess, the, the rope that holds it onto that, that stick. 
No men do that. It's only women. So here's a question. So once they, they thread the needle with the leaves, does it stay on there for a certain amount of time? And they, do they transfer it to another to a vessel of some kind after? I think about fifty, 50 days. days 50, you said that fifty yeah. days. Okay. And, and then, then they keep turning it over as they're picking more off the plant. Uh, I see. After you know a certain amount of time, right? You know if they're feeling good about what's coming up on the bottom of the plant. They keep picking. That process keeps continuing, mm. and then they move the stuff that's you know ready to go after fifty days into the you know fermentation area. I think nice. they they move them into bigger bundles. Okay, together. Like yeah, yeah first it's five leaves and then it goes into a bigger bundle, then even a bigger bundle. Yeah. So he he was saying that they the bundles are typically it's 50 leaves, which is he said about the equivalent of two plants and that bundle they called a gavia. Then he said they'll take four gavias and that's called a manojos. Um and that's they'll bundle those manojos into 40 manojos. Wow. And that's like, do you remember there was like those like big crate looking things? Yeah. Like, that was, I think, the like 40 manojos all bundled into one of those crates. Right. Wow. And I think they spray water on them to keep them moist and they cover them up with some kind of a jute. Yeah. Or some kind of... And you'd have to think with all that mass, there's weight, there's heat that develops sure. in there and they well, that's ferment. that's fermentation right. process. Right. Yeah. The one thing I wasn't clear about is do they take the leaves and they put them all the way on top? Because I remember there were some towards the ceiling of the barn. I think that's just a, sa a space-saving oh, measure. Just, they're, right. they're constantly leveling them up just to keep making space, space for more leaves yeah. coming in and try to you know, start to cure as much tobacco at the same time as is possible. And I'm know? sure, I mean, we just saw one barn. They have multiple bar drying barns, maybe you know, a couple of barns for wrapper leaves and a bunch of other barns for regular tobacco. And in that barn, you know who was watching the whole process? That Castro uh, painting they had in there. Do you remember? Oh, that? Yeah. oh yeah, it was actually a pretty cool it photo. Was I have cool, to say, yeah. it was yeah. like this painting of Castro with like clouds of smoke oh, billowing cool. out of his mouth, and he's just sitting there, like kind of like a little smirk, and it's just right in the center of the room as these women are all doing their work, probably yeah. smoking a fundidoras. <laughs> the one thing I read too is that the barns were historically constructed from palm wood, which I guess is readily available in Cuba with roofs of thatched palm fronds. And now they're made of corrugated iron sheets and sawn lumber. I don't know what sawn lumber means. It's, it's just, just dimensional lumber. Got it. Yeah, two by four. This is why, you know, Bam, this is why we have you here. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> okay, guys, good night. <laughs> Bam, we'll text you. Gotcha. The other cool thing uh, is that, I, you know, we saw this when we were walking in, is they have massive doors and massive windows, which obviously they use to regulate temperature in those barns. So throughout the day, obviously, as it gets hotter during the day, I'm sure they're opening that to keep it cooler. And then at night, they're closing it to keep it a little bit more regulated so that the tobacco can cure evenly you want that you know, throughout the prospect. Yeah. yeah throughout it's the also process. kept kept very dark. Do they have fans blowing? We didn't see any fans, and okay. I think it's just air movement through Got massive it. doors and windows. I mean, I must say the temperature was a little bit cooler in that area compared to Havana. It definitely Agreed. was. Well, it's also yeah, the time of year. Due to the altitude. Yeah. Or, oh, that too, yeah. And you're not on the water, right? I mean, I have to imagine the, the humidity with the water there is affecting our perception of, of temperature versus being out in uh, Pinot. I don't know Rio. if you guys noticed, like when we were sitting down to eat, right behind there was like a river. Mm -hmm. And there were a bunch of hoses in it. I guess they use that for irrigation. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They don't waste anything. No. Use all the natural resources. Well, I did think it was funny. The one thing that they clearly did not know at that farm, when we were under 
uh, like the cheesecloth where they were they were growing all the wrapper uh, leaves. The someone had asked what happens as far as like fertilizing the the, the tobacco plant and um, if they the veins when they strip the vein um, from the leaf if they you know use that as fertilizer and the guy's like oh no no we just throw all of that out we know that's not the case <laughs> that is yeah. not true when not we've been on any factory tour those Correct. veins that they strip out of those leaves they send back out to the farms yeah. that are used for fertilizer which makes perfect sense mm-hmm. right they also use compost in the uh, in the soil when yep. the plant the seed if I remember correctly, they'll take the stems and they'll soak them soak in water. Soak them in water and use the and they water. use that as a um, to keep insects away. Yeah, because yeah. there's a high concentration of ammonia. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So then, after the process, like we just talked about in the barns, some of the wrapper is moved to climate-controlled drying chambers known as calfresas. So after the 50 days that they're in the barns, and this is not everything, some are moved for 25 days for an additional curing process in uh, calfresas, which is a more precisely controlled process and results in higher percentage of top quality wrappers compared to the traditional air curing that we were able to see in the barns. So what I was amazed by, um, and and I guess it was a contrary to the perception I've, I've seen on the internet or heard from other folks who've visited uh, these tobacco farms, is quite honestly, how simple the process seems as a layperson. Mm. I know it's very labor intensive. I know there's a lot of, you know, diligent science and effort and experience involved, but from seedling to what we learned about the curing process in the barns, it wasn't very complicated. I was surprised that I was able to kind of understand it very quickly and kind of got a grasp for it. It, yeah. it just seems that Throughout the many generations, many hundreds of years they've been doing this, they've been able to really simplify it. Yeah, and systematize just, for themselves. And just do it well. I agree. That that was my takeaway and just how fast the process is. I yeah. mean, the fact that like the plant grows to, I mean, a six foot tall, you know, mature plant in, in 90 days, I, I would not have expected. And I was also surprised to learn that after that initial yield, it, it's not the case that like, you know, they're picking the leaves and then letting new ones form. They just remove the plant and they start the whole process all over again. Yeah. I mean, they said that they can obviously wait for an additional yield, but their experience is that that first yield is the best one and the ones after it don't really compare. So I was just shocked how like rinse and repeat and how quickly and automated this process almost yeah. becomes. I mean, I'm sure like different farms are doing little different things. Maybe at this Maybe. particular farm, they were doing this. I mean, some farms do grow some cigarette tobacco. They might be growing some other vegetables, maybe, which is supposed to be very good for the soil. It goes to, I guess that goes to show, the for me, the most complicated part of what we're smoking tonight is in the blend. So if it's fairly straightforward in growing the tobacco and fermenting the tobacco, but it's the art is in the blend that creates something exquisite. And I think, you know, and, and we discussed this with Danilo, and, you know, two weeks from now, for the listener, we're going to have our interview with Danilo Rodriguez, the production manager of Cohiba and El Leguito. And we talked extensively about the choosing of tobacco, you know, when they go to these storage facilities. So the tobacco leaves a farm like Hector Luis. It's, you know, packed up in uh, tercias, it's called, which are square packages wrapped in yaguas, which is, I guess, like a bark, uh, again, coming from the, uh, the royal palm uh, plant. And then it's moved to Tabacuba storage facilities for additional fermentation and sorting. And that's where we talked to Danilo 
on that interview we have yeah. coming out in two weeks about his process of selecting that tobacco and going there and choosing what they want to use for wrapper, filler, binder for the various cigars they're manufacturing at any given time. That, like you said, Bam, mm. that seems to me, obviously, the execution on Hector Luis's part at, at a farm like that is top-notch and very important. And critical like still, said, sure. Critical. But for making a great cigar, That's it, the art. it comes down to the choice of tobacco sure. and then, like yeah. you said, the blend. I wonder the if Tabacuba keeps the farms separated. Or does it all just go into one massive or multiple barns? Well, or can you go in like can Danilo like go in and say, well, is this is from Alejandro's farm or this is? You know, I, I may have ABC heard farm. incorrectly, but when we were interviewing Danilo, aren't there two large fermenting entities in Cuba that they all get sent to and they stay there? Yeah, the storage facilities I think just have everything there. Yeah, I think it's sorted by type of wrap, you know, type of size of wrapper, color, right, you know, et cetera. And I think, like you said, I don't think that they're they're discerning as far as which farm it comes from. They're just trying to choose the best tobacco that's in front of their face. I don't think that he's able to to say I want X, Y, or Z. I think it's just he chooses what's available to him. So Robaina can't say that I want to use my own tobacco for my cigars. <laughs> well, he can, and we saw that with Hector Luis. Hector Luis is able Well, that's to... only within the farm, but I'm saying when right. they're actually getting rolled in the oh, factories, no, no. they can't say that I want to use my own tobacco. Yeah, I mean, the strange thing, though, is, I mean, then then how how is how do we know Hector Luis's tobacco is better than the next person's? You don't. If it's all just in one... Yeah. You don't. Facility I think, it, I think it just comes down to more to the blending decision, not so much as the tobacco. I mean, tobacco. But that has is nothing to do with Hector Luis. It this has guy has his reputation. That's How correct. do we get the reputation? Is my correct. Point. correct. I think for Hector Luis, I think it's the yield coming off that farm. I'm yeah. sure Tabacuba is there every day, monitoring the process, monitoring what's coming out of there, and I'm sure that he's just figured out a process that works for his farm that yields the what uh, you know Tabacuba mm -hmm. and Habanos view is some of the best tobacco coming out of there and maybe he just gives them more product but at the end of the day they all go to a central fermenting location yep. and you can't discern product from one farm to another exactly right that we know of anyway that's that's my understanding we don't yeah there's maybe something we don't know i don't know what i really uh, liked was uh, after the tour where he picked up a dry leaf the wrapper leaf and he ran his finger through it and it was so leathery and uh very pliable yeah it was yeah, yeah very stretchy and leathery and it was you you got a good feel for the wrapper yeah that's cool when we were talking to him about you know where all this tobacco goes and how much of it they send to tabacuba versus actually keep on the farm i think he had said 90% of it gets shipped out and 10% of it they actually keep and then roll their own cigars with there for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That then they can sell. Really? Yeah. So that, oh, that's cool. That was a COVID measure that Tabacuba introduced to help these farmers during COVID and, you know, with financial struggles is they started to allow the farms to roll their own cigars and sell them to tourists so that they could, you know, make some, make some extra money. It makes sense. I guess for the farm. So that's, you know, as soon as we were done with the tour, immediately we were kind of shuttled over to the area where they rolled our tour guide rolled a cigar for us i think he gave it to pagoda or, or senator and then uh we were able to go in the humidor that they have and really purchase some cigars yeah. cool it was funny it was like this little shed with like a portable air conditioning unit basically <laughs> like pumping ac in like as soon as you come in they're like close the door close the door it's like keep the air conditioning in and it was there were all all these little uh drawers that had different cigars in them it was it was pretty cool they actually also 
uh, one of the walls was just covered with photos of celebrities that had actually been there. Really? Um, Anyone notable? Yeah, there was um, Sylvester, like Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Get out of town. The president of Cuba well, was I there. I hope so. Of yeah. course. And they had three sizes of cigars. They had a kind of like just like the Bahikas, like 52, a 54, and a 56. And that's it. Those three sizes. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Steven Seagal. Oh, Steven Seagal. Damn. Action star. Correct. Oh, f- 50 cent. <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at a photo of him and Hector Luis. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's, oh, worth love a, it. he's worth a quarter now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you know who I think this is? No. No, never mind. That, I, there's a guy who looks just like Samuel L. Jackson, but it's not him. That would have been very cool. Barack Obama. <laughs> so the other thing in the humidor that was cool that is worth mentioning is that Hector Luis was actually named Habanos Man of the Year a few years ago. I guess because, you know, he produces such great tobacco and, you know, provides a lot of uh, product for Tabacuba and mm-hmm. Habanos. At the Habanos Gala mm-hmm. dinner, they honored Hector Luis Prieto with the Habanos Man of the Year, which is only given to one person a year. So wow. that was, That's I thought a big that was deal. pretty cool. So the actual trophy was in the humidor on display for us. Fantastic. So there, is a, there is an agency that kind of uh, monitors production of seed and quality of seed and seed control the tobacco research the tobacco institute. research institute mm. yep. so they're heavily involved in the whole farming you know so. and i think they're also kind of like coca-cola with the secret recipe yeah the tobacco research institute are the keepers of the blends and the the markers and is that right yeah so when it comes to blending it actually is is processed through the tobacco research institute wow. which i think is probably why in previous episodes we've talked about you know, and I think we talked about this with Danilo in the upcoming interview, is that inside Cuba, we know who rollers are. We don't know who blenders are. Outside oh, of Cuba, right. we know who blenders are and the people who are making the blending decisions, and there's no celebration of the people actually rolling the cigars. And I think that inside Cuba, this is a big reason why, is I think this is kind of a closely held group of people at the Tobacco Research Institute who are making blending decisions and monitoring blends and making sure things are consistent to keep things in line for Tabacuba and for Habanos. All the marcas. Exactly. So you think they keep track of the of the recipes? I think they have the secret sauce. Ah, it's a good theory. Yeah, and and yeah. they want to keep them secret. Of I course. Mean, that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about this in the Daniel interview. Makes but, sense. You know, these are the people that wield the most power, really. Like, if we knew who they were, we'd all try to get them out of Cuba and they'd be, <laughs> you know, blending for, you know, New World brands, right? Like, that's why they keep them quiet. <laughs> I'd buy them a house here. <laughs> But, but truly, think about it. I it's mean, true. every big cigar company would try to pursue some of these people. That's why they keep their amazing. It's amazing know, identity quiet. Yeah. So, boys, we're about halfway through here on the Vegas Robania Famosos. This is a really, really nice experience tonight. I'm gushing inside about this cigar. I think for me, it's getting better and better. It's firmly mild, touching maybe slight medium. But it's so creamy and velvety, and on the retro, I get very faint fruit, and but it's so creamy for me. It's it's outstanding cigar. Anybody get any pepper, like a slight, slight not, bit of pepper? Not a drop. The back? No, yeah. not a drop. I think the spice Some I'm getting kind of is spice, more like a like a nutty spice. spice, or yeah. Yeah, these guys are sensitive. It, it's very very subtle though. Very <laughs> subtle. What are you guys getting? I'm getting a bit of, uh, actually, I hesitate to say, but coffee. I don't know. It's slightly bitterish yeah. with the chocolate flavor. Not very mocha-ish, but Maybe slightly that's, different. Maybe that's the spice that I'm thinking about, like a nutty spice. Like, you know, it's like a 
maybe not a black pepper spice, but more like a coffee spice, like a bitter, <laughs> like a like a bitter coffee. I don't know. And also, you, you do get that salty, salty tang. Oh, that but, twang is there. Yeah. I just like the creaminess in this cigar. Sure. This is the one component of it that honestly does remind me a bit of the Classicos. The Classicos is a very creamy, velvety yes. cigar. And that the ones we've smoked obviously have a lot of age on them. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed with just two years, that same creamy profile that kind of brings this all together is very present here which is it's cool. got, a, got a long finish too yeah, yeah. and that, it just kind of lingers in your mouth and that's the mark of a very elegant complex cigar for me especially for something that's mild like it's yeah. surprising that the finish is so uh so long sure for a mild cigar because it's it's really not punching you in the face no it's a pleasure to smoke honestly and and to pagoda's point i think that the placement for this in a rotation for me would be earlier in the day with a cup of coffee. I don't think that having this after dinner would serve this cigar. I think this is, you know, this is an early but in the rotation cigar. If I'm doing a sit for three or four or five cigars, I would start with this. Yeah, this is the one to start no with. No doubt about it. I will say, though, I, I agree with Giz and, and Pagoda's call out of the coffee note in this. To me, this is the perfect cigar with a cup of coffee. Oh, sure. Like, arguably, the best pairing of any Cuban cigar with a cup of coffee might be this cigar. But... What you've picked for us to drink tonight is really going beautifully with this thing. Yeah, let's talk about it's, it, boys. It's really awesome. The Campo Viejo wine that we discovered at, was it Cha-Cha-Cha or Cinco Sentidos? Cha-Cha-Cha. So on the, Senator's giving me hand signals, by the way. <laughs> He's giving me back and forth here. No, no, not that one, the other one. He knows sign language too, you know. <laughs> we learned that from Edia in the club. <laughs> so this wine is a Tempranillo which we discovered at Cha Cha Cha. And we drank quite a bit of this in Havana because it was a really good value, you know, wine that we were able to pick off a list at multiple places. But it just drinks so well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually pairing very nicely with the cigar. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think there's a general rule of thumb. When you're traveling somewhere where the wine selection is very limited, which Cuba definitely qualifies as being the case, um, what you're typically going to find for like a drinkable um you know, a good to decent bottle of wine with dinner that's also going to be very affordable is like Spanish wine, right? Like that's the one thing reliably they have wine from Spain, Argentina, very few places have any American wine there. Um, and, and the ones that do have like literally two bottles of something from California, um, you'll find some from France, but those are going to be a bit higher priced. So just like I said, the value is really, really strong. And then what we're drinking, I mean, this is Campo Viejo. This is ubiquitous. You find this literally everywhere across the U.S., clearly in Cuba, tons of other countries. Um, it's just kind of a, an easy drinking, um, you know, red that will pair well with, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much anything for a, a decent meal. And it's not a Cabernet. What's the grape? No. So the, the grape is a Tempranillo. Tempranillo, and, and so okay. how Spanish wine works, uh, really all of um, the old world um, like any French wine we've ever done. So in France, you know, the the wine is kind of uh, called by the region, whether it's from um, the Champagne region, we're talking about a Champagne or obviously some of the red wines from different um, uh, regions there. The region of this is Rioja, where it's actually grown. Uh, so you, you hear Rioja all the time. It's not a grape. It's just a huge growing region in Spain. And then the actual grape that makes this is mm. the Tempranillo grape. Interesting. It's delicious. It's really really easy drinking 
It super is super easy drink, right? But it, it, very much like the cigar, I feel like. But it's so satisfying. It's very satisfying, but it's not super rich. No, um, it's it's a light red wine. We're gonna need another bottle tonight. We will. We're gonna have to send Senator out to get another one. <laughs> uh, but Senator doesn't do delivery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, garçon. <laughs> <laughs> but if, I think actually for the cigar, it's actually a perfect pairing, given that we're drinking a mild cigar. I think. Having a, a Merlot or a Cabernet or something a little bit more rich would very much overpower the cigar, and it's not happening tonight with this. A, a Cabernet, right. yes, but a Merlot would work. So I actually would compare this Tempranillo in some ways to a Merlot. It's mm. like a very soft, supple red wine Interesting. that like isn't as light as a Pinot Noir, is nowhere near as full as a Cab, and it just kind of sits right in the middle where like the body is just satisfying enough to hold up with most entrees that you might order for a dinner. Also is a Syrah would be similar, I think. Or a maybe. Zin. Oh no, those no, are much Zins are heavier. heavier. Than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, both are heavier than I this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's extremely versatile. I think that's yeah. a nice thing. Like I said, this is a you know mild, medium cigar, and this holds up really well with this. We've had this with plenty of meals there, and yeah. it can hold up with you know a piece of chicken, you know, fish. A really, um, I mean, ropa vieja. Ropa, ropa vieja. vieja. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if a listener listened to the last episode, we. Became obsessed with the Ropa Vieja at Cinco Centitos, Five Centitos in Havana. And we drank this wine every single time we were there eating Ropa Vieja. It paired perfectly. It also paired really well with the the filet tips that we love at Cha Cha Cha. Mm. You know, like and and then it paired very well with fish. Correct. You know, which yeah. Bam also had a few times. It was excellent. So it um it's a really, really versatile wine. And especially like you said, in Havana, where the wine selection isn't incredible, obviously. But you're able to find something like this that's a good value. And How much was a bottle? Well, that's the best part. It's dirt cheap. I mean, a bottle of this at Total Wine is $10 and change. Wow. Bro. I had to buy this locally at one of our places. They charge 15 which is a ripoff for what this normally I have to for. run and get a case of this. This is outstanding. For that price? Yeah, it's, it's outrageous. Wine. So, boys, back to our trip to Pinar del Rio and Vinales. We finished our tour, like we said, at Hector Luis's farm. Came out of the Ruby. Then we went and had a nice meal. We sat down, had some drinks, uh, had a traditional Cuban meal there, which was, I guess, pork with veggies and rice and, <laughs> and beans and whatnot. Sat down, had a cigar, and then... Uh, did they serve Paul Roger? They did not serve Paul <laughs> Roger. Cristal. Senator was furious. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Cuba. <laughs> My goodness, Paul Roger. Was, I must say that it was a bit overpriced. It was. It was well, one of the more expensive meals, actually. They need to make a living out there. It, it was a little egregious. It's honestly. a tourist yeah. trap, too, I guess. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, it was a great experience. And I think any listener who's going to go to that part of the area and learn about tobacco farming, it's a must to go to that farm and uh, and just visit. And uh, you'll have a great experience. How far is the Robaina farm from there? Do you know? I don't. Okay. It's tough to find these farms. Yeah. You know, even on a map, I don't think it Probably shows. Probably not accurate. And sometimes they're called, they're go by different names. Yeah, there's not even, there's like no street signs out there. I mean, the poor driver, just to get us where we were trying to go, it's really not easy to navigate. Yeah, you really need a driver who's actually been to these farms and who knows where he's going and where to go. Mm. Yeah. That's the only way because we were looking for another farm after after Jose Luis. I think, what was it, Hoyo? Uh, Hoyo de Mena? Yeah, Hoyo de Mena, but it was closed. We found it, but it was closed. Right, we, we found it. We couldn't find, well, first we couldn't find the entrance, then then it was blocked off. 
We tried to go around the side. The driver stopped multiple times. We really tried to find it. We did find it, but I guess it, it was closed. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't open for business that night. I think it was also because we were there later in the day because we spent quite a bit of time at Hector Luis's place. So, um, you know, the other thing I'll say, too, it was unfortunate we didn't get to have a conversation with Hector Luis because he was uh, doing some business with another table and really was consumed for the entire time we were there with them. So we weren't able to have a full conversation with him. But hopefully the next time we go, we'll be able to do that. So we headed out from Hector Luis's place. We headed back toward Vinales. Like I said, Hector Luis was about 40 minutes outside of the town of Vinales. And on our way back, we wanted to stop at another farm called Juan Luis, which I would say is kind of on the polar opposite as far as preparedness for tourists. And uh, it wasn't quite ready for a busload of people to show up. They had a nice little setup, but I mean, uh, you're being generous. I'm sorry. It's not a nice uh, <laughs> That place was a dump. I'm, I'm just going to say. No, I do, look, I, I, I just want to paint the picture. You for are listener, in Cuba. Especially, no, but you have to appreciate the contrast of these two places. What shocked me, you go to Hector Luis, it's little things, right? Your expectations are very low in Cuba because resources are obviously so constrained. I'll never forget just using the bathroom at that Hector Luis farm. The bathroom was beautiful. Hmm. Honestly, it was nicer than most restrooms in restaurants in Havana. Really? There was soap and like good hand soap, um, toilet paper. I mean, I know these are things in the States that we take for granted, but when you're in Cuba, it's a big deal when you walk in a public restroom, even at a restaurant that has soap and toilet paper in it, and everything was pristine at Hector Luis. You go to that other place. I mean, I I was the first to use that restroom. I mean, it was like an outhouse. It was (laughs) a totally different setup. It was um, definitely in contrast to um, what wow. we experienced there. I wow. must say one thing about the bathroom at Hector Luis, it was only one way in. You couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, was no, no handle inside. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Pagoda got stuck in there for about 10 minutes. Oh, boy. The one thing that was cool at Juan Luis's farm that Rooster was happy about is they were showing off their honey production. So not right. only do they grow tobacco there, they also have coffee, I believe, as well. They but have primarily, coffee. They, have, they also make their own rum. Mm. Ah. They were sampling some rum. There was when we got there. There was a bunch of European. Uh, there was like a European tour. I'm not. I forget where they were from. So they were tasting some rum. Wow. And we just wanted. I wanted to get a bottle of uh, honey for the house that we were staying at the Airbnb. And so he had asked me to get this. Uh, the honey is apparently like very good there. Nice. And it was really super dark and. Uh, it was in a plastic Coke bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was saying to Rooster, I had read um, right before or during our trip, the honey in Cuba is some of the most coveted honey in the world. Wow. It's because there's like no pesticides used there. It's like the most organic of types of honey that you can get. Like people legitimately pursue honey from there. And we had it when we were back at the house. It's we very did. good. It yes, good. it is good. Yeah. So yeah, it's the, only, it's the only place in the world that Monsanto hasn't gotten their hands on yet to uh, deliver truckloads of Roundup so the bees are able to thrive there, you know, and and like I think what you were saying that you've heard from other people around the world that that it's very well coveted, right? Oh, yeah. Cuban honey. I had no idea that that was something that people were chasing, but yeah. apparently it's, uh, it's sought after, so. Well, the funny thing, too, it's like all these other products that they're growing and selling at these farms, the reason behind a lot of that was when the Cuban government was screwing these farmers on what they were paying them for the tobacco – the farmers kind of revolted and said, like, we have no way to make money. So they started growing these other crops that were actually paying them more than tobacco was. And then they started getting paid more on the tobacco to kind of, you know, create a stronger incentive to produce more. Yeah. You know what would be nice? Like these farmers should get together. And when you stop at the rest stop, 
each person is given a map. So you can get to these farms, and they're nicely labeled. And you can actually visit these farms. And you can buy product from there. I mean, how nice would that be? And when Brewster starts his farm out there, he'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Think a rooster. Correct. <laughs> Done. So we left uh, Juan Luis, and then we were a little hungry, and we somehow ended up at this restaurant on a hilltop, which provided us with some of the most amazing views oh, what a view. of oh. Cuba that we've ever seen. Sounds incredible. So if you think of Havana as kind of a flat city, when you get out to Vinales, Pinar del Rio, that whole area, it's, there's mountains, it's hilly, it's up and down. It's, the terrain is incredible. And to be on a, a, a mountaintop staring down into this valley, it's amazing. the views were <sighs> incredible. I just have to show Bam this photo. I, I mean, we yep. were all taking a bunch of photos. There was one photo that somehow, literally, it looks like a painting. It yep. doesn't even look real. And this for, was on an iPhone. And for the look listener, I, I cut my trip to Cuba short. I had to get back home, so I didn't get to go out here. This looks like a painting. It doesn't it's, look real. It's, it's ridiculous how gorgeous this is. My God. You have to send me that photograph. I know. Stunning. Fantastic. There were some there were some points when we were traveling that it almost looked like you know the way the Jurassic Park opens like those yeah, those very, scenic views yeah. it's like I was waiting for like a T Rex to like roar up <laughs> you know or like another dinosaur or something it kind of had that kind of look mm, to it mm. uh, but it was it was pretty incredible out there so I have to say the cigar is a fake one. That what, the band came off too easily? The band came off way too easily. <laughs> Cut his mic, will you? <laughs> I love this cigar. So we had a couple beers and a nice little snack at that restaurant, and then we headed home and for two and a half hours back on those bumpy roads. I was I don't know if I was ever happier in, in, in Cuba than when we finally got back to the highway-type setup that they have closer to Havana, where we weren't bouncing around in the vehicle. It was... It was pretty drastic going out there. So anybody, any listener who does decide to go to Pinar del Rio Vinales, make sure you get a vehicle that has... You may need Dramamine. A Dramamine. 52 Chevy. Convertible. No. The only way. The only way to go. No way. No way. So boys, we're into the last third here, I would say, on our Vegas Robinia Famosas. What's everybody thinking? It's fantastic smoke. It's delicious. Sure. I mean, honestly, I, I'm pretty far into the last third and it's just as smooth no rough edges down the stretch yeah. the flavor's been consistent all the way through which i'm happy about because i, I love mm -hmm. the flavor notes that it's delivering still I'm, very I'm creamy very creamy yeah yeah creamy cedary cocoa and chocolate type. If, if you can retrohale really on the end tail the, the end of that retrohale very faint fruit you got it's quite nice and i think when you get very very far when you're well into the final third, how it deep like, are you? Hold your cigar up. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm pretty far along. You are in there. And I, I think at that point, it just hits medium, mm. which is a good thing. Yeah. I must say, I yeah, I, I think it's picked up a little bit. And I think the, uh, the prominent note for me right now is cedar. I'm definitely getting a lot more cedar, but it's, it's still very pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Just touching medium, it's picked up a little, little bit. But still, you know, very creamy in its delivery, very smooth. I'm very happy with the cigar tonight. And the construction's been great. I mean, yeah. I haven't really had to touch this up much at all. The burn line's been consistent. No one's touched it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, boys, as we wrap up our, our conversation on Vinales, I think the, the overall thing that I would say to a listener is definitely go to Vinales and Pinar del Rio and see 
the source of this incredible thing that we love and, and learn about the process as we tried to do. And certainly as we go back more and more, we'll become more educated on it and be able to dive a little deeper um, as we continue to go. But it, it's really a strong recommend for me to go out there and, and visit these folks. And, and we, we also and did them. it in one day. Yes. A lot of people who go there, they spend, they spend overnight. Mm. So maybe that's a way to like explore some more farms because you're going to spend a couple of hours at this one farm that we went to. Yeah. So and a couple hours it. to get there and go to back. Get, yeah. 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 If you're in Havana. High. Yeah. And I think for anybody who does make the trip, the, the one must visit is the Hector Luis farm. You have to go there. Absolutely. It's perfectly built for this. I thought the tour was informative. I mean, we had questions. I, I don't think there was anything that they didn't want to answer or couldn't. Um, and even though the food is a little bit overpriced, I mean, just when you're in Cuba, you don't expect anything to move particularly quickly. And I thought like from the time we got there to the time we got a tour to how long it took to get a drink or food, everything was fast. It was, it was just like a well-oiled machine there. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah. I would probably not eat at Hector Luis's farm. I would eat at Hilltop. Hmm. Yeah. Go to the place we went at. Yeah. Agree. Well, we nice. didn't really eat. We just got a, got a snack. But that's a that's a legit spot to visit. And yeah. there's clearly because Vinales is set up as a tourist destination out there. There, I mean, even Senator was commenting as we were driving through as to even there were street, you know, on the side of the street, you could buy Doritos or a can of Coca-Cola, which in Havana is very, very hard to come by. So it's almost like as we got further away, two and a half hours from Havana. It's almost like there were more of those kind of American mm. snacks and kind of grabby food. Yeah, this is just for Puba. <laughs> I mean, Did they we, have Doritos? We actually, we actually ate Pringles. We had Pringles. We had Pringles. And, He's all set. And we were walking down some street in Havana one Obispo. night. Obispo. Obispo. And I have a photo of it. <laughs> we spotted, I think Giz spotted it first, this little bodega that literally had bags of Doritos for sale. Wow. I took it just to show Puba. He's all set. No more excuses. No more. <laughs> so, boys, I got to say, we just talked about the cigar a little bit, but the wine has really been a, a really smooth drinking experience with the cigar. And the yeah. reason why I say that, and I'm kind of, it's, it's imprinting on my brain, is we didn't have many experiences where we were drinking wine with cigars in Havana. That's true. exactly right. Because every t at most of these restaurants we ate at, we weren't smoking cigars while we right. were eating. So when we left the restaurant, we went to a lounge or we went back to our house or yep. whatever it was. And we'd have rum. rum. Yeah. We're drinking rum. This is a wonderful combination tonight. So this is a, a nice revelation, mm. despite how much we've had it, is that it is pairing really well with the cigar. Sure. So boys, yeah, Vinales was great, man. We got to so go back awesome. out there sometime. And like I said, for the listeners, you definitely have to go view, go visit you know, where this thing comes from. I can't wait to see it firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit cloudy that day. Mm. It was. Nice to see if it was sunny. Like, But the photographs probably, are still stunning. Oh, yeah. Stunning. Yeah. Great view. Yeah. So, boys, we have to talk about it because it's coming up uh, pretty much about a week, a week from now, week and a half. The Habanos Festival 2024 starts on the 26th of February. All right, all right, all right. So let's talk about uh, some of the things they're highlighting this year because we haven't discussed this. So it's a week-long program. I went to it last year. I went to the, the, the Wednesday event and the Friday gala dinner where they debuted the Partagas Linea Maestra, which hopefully is going to be coming out this year around uh, festival time. We'll see. Is it earlier this year? No, it's about the same week. Yeah, it's the same week. Last week of February into March. So it starts on the 26th of February. 
and opens with the welcome event, which is celebrating this year the 30th anniversary of Habanos. So that's really exciting. Ooh. <laughs> more price increases. Yay. I mean, what, what's there to celebrate? I'm sorry. Give me a break. So Wednesday night. This he's one, not wrong. I, he's 100% right. He's 100% right. And I believe there's some more price increases coming. We'll talk about that on a future episode. I'm going to get some info on that. Uh, Wednesday the 28th. This one's cool. They're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Kaidorse. Oh, wow. That's cool. So that'll be nice. Get some good cigars there. I don't think they're announcing anything, but we'll see. And then the Friday gala dinner is celebrating the 55th anniversary of Trinidad. Wow. So that's going to be something special. I'm sure they're, sure they're going to release a 55th anniversary cigar from Trinidad this year. For $300. For $300, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> but that is the, uh, that's kind of the lineup this year of what they're celebrating at the Bonos Festival. So we won't be there, but some of our friends will. So we'll get a report and, and we'll kind of report back on what's announced and what's released and see if there's any surprises in store. So, boys, we're coming to the end of our evening here with the Vegas Robinia Famosos and the Campo Viejo wine. Any final thoughts before we move into our ratings tonight? Nope. I'm actually pleasantly surprised by how good this is. The cigar? Yeah. Who's had this cigar before tonight? I have not. Never, really? never had not this me. before. I have okay. not had this. I've had one. And what's funny is the one I had was actually uh, much fuller in flavor than this cigar is. It was, I would say, firmly medium. Um, it was just very different. And maybe it was younger and with more youth, it has you know a little more oomph to it uh, for the cigar. I don't remember it being as creamy as this. I didn't love it. I, it was kind of like, honestly, what it reminded me of, if, if you've had a young Unicos, I don't think young that cigar smokes that great. I agree. And that's kind of my experience with the Famosa when it was young, but just two years, I this is I, mean, this, I would definitely the, smoke this again. This is a 2022, right? Yeah, mid-22, yeah. Mid-22. It's incredible. You know, I'm I'm comfortable in saying that this is probably the very best mild cigar that I've ever had. I haven't had many that are memorable. I don't ever remember a, a mild cigar that I liked. This this is gonna leave a mark, and I would like to get more. The best mild cigar I've ever had. I think that's an interesting point, Ben, because anytime I, I think about a mild cigar I've had, it's it's never really been memorable. No. Maybe aside from the Padron Damaso series, mm. which is kind of their mild line with Maybe. the Connecticut wrapper on it. That's a great cigar. I, I've not reached for it again just because it's not in my, my, my wheelhouse. Yeah. But this is a cigar, like I said, I, I could very well see this being a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee type of cigar for me. But- you know, as far as where it's going to land in the rest of my rotation, it's only going to be at the beginning because sure. pretty much everything else we smoke from the sure. Habanos catalog or outside of Cuba uh, is going to be a lot more full than this. But what a great start to a sit if you're going to spend time at the club. Absolutely. Fantastic right. start. What did you say the price point is on this? It's about 18 or 20 bucks when I bought it. So it's probably about 22 now. 2022. Yeah, it's expensive at 22, at 18 to 20. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. There's nothing cheaper. I know. I know. Even when we were there, a D4 in Cuba is about 16. Yeah, so here it's about 20. So here it's, yeah, exactly, 2022. I know, that's the only thing that's hard for me is just like... Compare it when, yeah. The size, this is true. which is larger, right? Same length, but bigger ring gauge. And it delivers a lot more flavor and to me, more versatility. I mean, you know, I have a D4 in the morning as often as I would in the, the evening. evening. And so that that's going to factor in a little bit for me here. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, let's move into the formal liquor rating of the Campo Viejo wine we had. 
Bam Bam, you're up. For under eleven dollars, the way it's drinking, how can I not give this a ten? Ooh, wow, it, Bam! It, it's a ten wow. for me because I can go through an entire bottle, open a second, and continue to enjoy it. It's just, it's delicious. It drinks so easy, and the versatility with food is amazing. Ten. Okay, Pagoda. I'll give it a nine. I think it's. Uh, um, I'm not really into wine, so I've had few wines which I've really, really enjoyed. And those wines I know are a 10 for me inside, like in my head. Uh, this does not measure up to that, I think, but I'm really enjoying it. It's very light-bodied. It feels very easy to drink. Um, and the price point is fantastic. It's a 9. Senator? This is tough because I'm, I'm between an 8 and a 9. Um, for what it is, it's an 8, but for what it is at its price point, I'm going to round up to a nine. I mean, it's extraordinarily difficult to find a $10 bottle of wine that is even drinkable. Exactly right. And the fact that, you know, you can drink this on its own, you can have this with a meal and you're going to be satisfied enough every time. I, that's a huge merit. So I, I'm going to round up to a nine. And I think for anyone who's in a bind, as far as wine selection goes, mm -hmm. you'll be satisfied getting this. And for anybody else who is just looking for like a really budget accessible wine yeah. that's going to deliver enough, I mean, this this would be it. Most people pursue blends at this price point because they don't have other options. This is a pure grape. It's really something. So I was coming into this episode almost anticipating that I was going to give this wine an eight simply because I hadn't had it with a cigar, as I noted. And also, it, it, it's very good. Obviously, it's the selection we make in Cuba. The The wine list is limited versus other wines that I, I reach for that I would consider a 9 or a 10, or we've rated 9s or 10s. It's one step below that. But given how it performed for being a $10 bottle of wine with the cigar tonight, which was a bit of a surprise to me, it's a 9 for me for sure. Great um, rating. So it's a little bit more than I expected with the cigar tonight, so I'm happy about that. So, boys, that puts the formal liquor rating at a 9.3. Wow. Which is a very good rating for a $10 bottle of wine. Now, oh, let yeah. me ask you a question. If this bottle was $30, would you guys feel the same way about it? My rating would probably drop very slightly to a 9. Mm. I think value is playing into that I rating. I agree, yeah. yeah. You it know, is. It's compelling. I mean, for, for me, it definitely is. I mean, I'd give this a seven. If this were $30, yeah. maybe even a six. I, look, the thing is... <laughs> I, the discerning silver tongue. I, I mean, I, look, the, the thing with this wine, it's a very simple, straightforward wine. You have not... Not one of us used the word complex to describe it. No. And it's yeah. not by design. It's meant to just hit the, the right notes that most people like, which are like dark berries, not overly sweet, a little mm -hmm. bit of vanilla... And it works really well for most occasions, but at a $30 price point, I mean, there's no way I'm going to give this a nine. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think like we're all saying, the, the value is so tremendous on this bottle. And the versatility. It, it's deserving yeah. of anyone who's looking for a budget wine, pick it up and try it. And if you're, you know, with a limited selection, you, you're going to be satisfied enough with this. All right, boys, it's time to move into the formal lizard rating on the Vegas Robania Famosos tonight. Rooster, you're up. Yeah, so um, I would love a box of these. Yeah, same. I think I can smoke this in the morning, in the afternoon, early evening, as a first cigar in the evening, and then move on to something a little bit bolder. So, I mean, I know you said, uh, Bam, it's 
medium. I mean, it's mild. Mild. Yeah. Mild. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a little bit, a little bit more than mild. It's a little bit Touches more like medium. in between a mild and a medium. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, it it did pick up. It it did become a medium in a nicely in a nice way, smooth way. Yeah. yeah I mean, the notes that I'm you know, that I threw out, I got out of this was a lot of cedar and uh, coffee and. Uh, I mean, I, I love those notes. So for me, this is a nine. Senator. I'm in the exact same camp. I, I came in with little to low expectations. I mean, like I said, I had one before. It wasn't anything special to me. The The flavor notes were, like Rooster said, I think notes that I and many of us, if not all of us, really pursue in a cigar and it was consistent all the way through. I never lost flavor at any point, which we know happens all too often with a lot of sticks. The construction was perfect on mine from the draw to the burn. Um, yeah, it's really hard to find a complaint. I mean, the reason for me it's not a 10 is it doesn't deliver as much flavor as I would like. I mean, with this profile, if this had a more robust flavor profile, I mean, it would be a 10 yeah. easily for me. But for if what it, it is... If it maintained its smoothness and creaminess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But for what it is, and and I'm glad you reminded me, I mean, the creaminess of this cigar with just under two years of age, really, is uh, it's pretty impressive. So I, I'm at a firm nine. So for me, it's an eight, and I'll tell you two reasons why. Number one, the the last quarter, I would say, where it went full cedar, I did not really enjoy it. It got a little bitter for me in a way that I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. And I think also the value at 18 or 20 or $22, or whatever this might end up being, when you can get it in the United States, it doesn't line up for me at that price point. So I don't see myself reaching for it like I want to, um, even in the morning with a cup of coffee. I also, I, I, I have so many other cigars in my humidor, a few other Hermosos number fours in my humidor, same exact size that I might reach for over this. Wh- the Connie, which ones? I'm just curious. The Connoisseur One and the El Rey Del Mundo Schwa Supreme, I would reach oh. for both of those. Well, over this they're cigar. different cigars. We mentioned but, that earlier. Correct. You're sure, right. You're but, right. But both of those cigars I would reach for over this. Um, so I just don't know if it's going to break into my rotation. Mm. I appreciated the creaminess. I appreciated the mild flavor profile. I think if it had a little bit more for me and that last quarter was a little bit more solid in line with the first half of the cigar, it would have been a nine. So it's an eight for me all day. I have to say I'm shocked. Me too. For Rooster, who loves a very full cigar, to give that a nine, and you give it a, I would have never guessed that. The guy has a a ninetieth for breakfast, right. for crying out loud, and he says, "Hey, drone, this anytime." <laughs> it's not nice, guys. <laughs> Pagoda, it's it's a nine for me. Uh, I really liked, uh, you know, the cocoa milk chocolate flavor in the beginning. I felt a little bit of the coffee taste right after that. It's been. Uh, very consistent. Uh, the draw has been a bit tight, uh, to be fair. Um, and maybe that's why the score is a bit lower. Uh, but overall, a very, very pleasant experience for me. And I didn't think this was mild to any any effect. I thought it was closer to a medium-bodied yeah. cigar, which yeah. kind of picked up a little strength towards the back and uh, an excellent experience tonight. Yeah, it's a nine for me. Bam, bam. Yeah, I'm also at a nine. I, I can't see giving this an eight. Because it's so memorable for me, I'll remember the cigar. I would like a box of it. You know, like I said earlier, for me, it's really the best mild cigar I've ever had. It did pick up, Senator, as you noted, toward the tail end of it. For, but for me, I like that cedar note. No pepper at all. Very smooth. I would pick this over a Connie one. Me too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, sorry. 
You're right. I would. Right. We're going to have to have Danilo put Giz through the tasting uh, yeah. practice. Uh, <laughs> no, not, he's got to go through the gauntlet, okay? <laughs> so, boys, the formal lizard rating on the Vegas Romania Famosos is an 8.8, which wow. I think is that's a fair a great, score. That's a nice that's score. A good score. Yeah. I think it's it a could fair have, score for it this. It could have been a nine. It's a nice score. But what's interesting, if there are guys and gals out there that love a mild cigar, this is this is a little home run cigar here at that at that flavor profile. I agree. And again, the fact that this cigar satisfied Rooster and Pagoda, who yeah. loves a full flavored cigar, oh, yeah. I think speaks to the versatility or range that this has to really satisfy anybody. Correct. I mean, you followed this cigar with a new world, like an exclusive or any other padrone. I mean, it's a great night. It'll enhance, great night. Your, It'll enhance your, your, experience your experience on that second cigar. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think the finish was reasonably long and you know, my mouth is very pleasantly yeah. filled with really good, you know. It's a, there's a nice coating there. There's a nice yeah. coating. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, for me, that's why definitely a nine. All right, boys. So let's compare this to other Vegas Robania we've done on the pod. Like I said, this is the third one we've done. We did the, of course, classic 2011 Classico on New Year's Eve 2022. The Holy Grail. a 9.9. .9. I think Pagoda <laughs> gave that a nine that night. That was a Pagoda. Oh, oh you gotta, goodness. you gotta take well, it well, back. You, well, you see how my flavor pro profile has developed over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I think he needs another one to try. <laughs> and on episode thirty-eight, we did the Unicos, the Pyramid, which got an eight point two. So this scored six points better than that. And let's also compare to the other Hermosos number fours that we've done. We did the El Rey del Mundo Schwa Supreme on episode twenty-two, scored a seven point eight, which is quite low. That's quite disappointing. That's I quite think we low. need to do that again. The Upman uh, H. Upman Connoisseur number one on episode ninety six got an eight point six, just a touch uh, below this. On episode fifty two with Dan Sashini on the big counterfeit episode with those Cohibas I got, we did the Saint Louis Ray Regios that got an eight point eight, which is in line with this. That was a good cigar. And finally, the Rafael Gonzalez Corona Stellansdales we did on episode one hundred and five got a flat eight point zero. So the ratings say this is. Better. The better best. Ones. It's in, in line its with the St. Louis Ray Regios. 8.8. Yeah. 8. But the Schwa score, that's a disappointment. I think the Regios was a little bit older. I think there was age on that. Age I think it was a 2016. That. So mm. having said that, I mean, this is a 22. Yeah. And if you compare the box, I mean, if you have it about the same age, this could be a 10. Yeah. Yeah. This has I'm going to say, I'm not as surprised on the Schwa rating. The reason I say that, I've had some amazing Schwa Supreme, and I've had some that are just okay. I don't know. Yeah, For me, they're not all that consistent. I haven't had that experience. For me, the consistency's been there with every schwa. Yeah, you, you love the and schwa. I do love that cigar. Yeah, I'm biased. Well, gotcha. remember, he he didn't have the schwa. That was the no. one box he didn't have before. Now, <laughs> no. now, now his bust, powers complete. Now we're He's busting at the, the seams. <laughs> now he has the Opus Dubai. <laughs> Are we really gonna go there? The Opus Dubai. <laughs> I, uh, you be, have to say it twice. It say it again, will you? The Opus Dubai fan <laughs> has a whole box of those. We will be doing it on the pod very soon. Yes. <laughs> well, what choice do I have now? It's it's being imprinted in a recording. Wait, I got to do it now. Wait, Rooster, what's the uh, it up? The Opus Dubai. <laughs> He's the brand. Bam's got a whole box of those. <laughs> you motherfucker. How He's, much are they, by the way? 
a lot. How much is a lot? I paid, I'm embarrassed to say how <laughs> much I paid. Great. I can't. I can't. It's too much. No, say no, it. Please say tell it. us. Say it. it. That box cost me $1,900. Hello. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Rooster's <laughs> been waiting all week for this. $1,900. bucks. <laughs> I know. We Jeez. could have smoked five of these each. He never, t- he never told us he had them. He never told us where he got them from. I showed I you. Know, I want to know. You showed me. No, I you, showed didn't, you. you didn't show me. You were I, smoking I it. lit it in front of you. You were you're, Okay. I lit it in you were smoking you. it, and I'm like, what are you smoking with like 50 bands on? He goes, this is a, oh, it's an opus. I'm like, opus? I've never seen this opus. Like, oh, it's an opus Dubai. I'm like, opus Dubai? I, uh, you know. I, when did you get this? I like to drop an occasional bomb in a club. That's, what can I say? That was more of a, more like a nitrogen bomb. <laughs> Bam, it sounds like you're like the brand ambassador now for Opus Dubai with how oh, much yeah. that was said on the podcast tonight. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. And, and by the way, no split-wise on that. All right? <laughs> I like that app. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. A great night on the Campo Viejo Tempranillo wine. We had a formal liquor rating of a 9.3. And on the Vegas Robania Famosos, we ended up at an 8.8. It's a good night. Two very respectable scores. Strong recommends on both. And uh, guys, it was a wonderful trip to Vinales, Pinar del Rio. I can't wait to go back. And uh, for any listener who didn't tune in two weeks ago, we did our Havana recap. Uh, First time back in a little under a year to Havana. We talked about our restaurant, lounge recommendations. We talked about the impacts of inflation. We talked about Rooster celebrating his birthday at Tropicana, among a bunch of other stuff. So check that out. And in two weeks, we're going to conclude our wrap-up of our Havana trip uh, for the early part of 2024 with our interview with Danilo Rodriguez, the production manager of Cohiba and El Liguito, where we smoked Vijique 54s out of his humidor, which was a wonderful conversation and a wonderful night. So in two weeks from today, tune into that and uh, check it out. All right, boys, a great night, great pairing tonight. Awesome. And we'll see everybody next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week.